house. Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. Amen. Hi, this is Sheila. This is Steph. And welcome to the Yellowstone podcast from Pod Clubhouse. This is season three, episode 10, The World is Purple, the season finale. How are you feeling, Steph? I hate to say I'm a little disappointed. Really? Because I'm not. Okay. But I was. Throughout the episode, I was like watching the time like tick by. And as I'm fast forwarding the commercials, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're halfway through and like nothing good has happened. Like I was kind of feeling a little let down. Obviously, the last like two seconds, I was like, what the hell? I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe something more. But the end was definitely mind blowing. I mean, it was yes a shocker, but also a little bit of a let down and that we've had this whole buildup for season three of what's going to happen with the land and market equities and how is this going to go down and we still have zero answers to this really and now it's even more of a question mark so you actually called this a while back you said that you didn't think that this was going to get resolved in yeah. this episode so i think you were really spot on with that which is a little frustrating it is frustrating because now we have to wait a whole nother year yes if the timelines hold true yeah there was a lot of talking there was a lot of meetings happening this episode yeah and then like the last five <laughs> minutes were where all of the the action was so yeah so there was a lot of build-up i felt like i did feel like it was very very tense the entire yes. time. It, there was definitely a very good job done in terms of building the tension, building, because you just said it. You were like, I'm looking at the clock. Nothing's happened. Like, what's yeah. going on? We, we don't have a lot of time. They blew it out of the park, literally, with, with the <laughs> last five minutes um, in terms of, of action. I'm kind of with you. I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't more resolution to the season. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of just holes left open. And yes, this is a big storyline to carry into another season. That does make sense. But I just feel that there was so much potential for more activity this season. There was just, yeah. there was a lot of storyline being laid out that could have been truncated a little bit, I guess. Just from the fan page that people kind of feel the same way. Like just because out of Yellowstone, we are used to a lot of action. Mm -hmm. This season was less action. So it's like, we still love the show. We still are super invested and the writers did a great job of telling an amazing story but I think we just as an audience like wanted a little bit more action yeah I think we've had like a template and this is not to say that this wasn't a great episode that this wasn't a great yeah. season there was definitely so much character development this season I really got to hand it to them that they did that very well like we now are so much more richly invested I agree in yeah. these characters so we trade off a certain amount of the template that we're used to with this show for where we're at now. So yeah. I'm I'm excited about how Monica and Casey's relationship has developed this season. I'm excited mm -hmm. at how Beth and Rip are really different people yeah. now than where we, we met them back at the beginning of this season. And John has had this sort of yogi, yeah. you know, like huge catharsis, change. you know, change in him. And there's elements of where he, you know, the person that he was, but he's also a very different contemplative kind of person. So I guess too, like because the season's ending and it's the end of something that we love dearly, like you said, like we're we're invested. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody who's not happy with everything, but there's a lot to be said about how they change the model. They're they're thinking longer term. Yeah, I guess they had to slowly bring us around to the to this notion because I'm just trying to think about it because. 
you know, as soon as the episode finished yesterday, I was like, oh my God, like that was just bananas. And then I watched it a second time. And yeah, I was kind of in the same same boat as you. It's just like, there was a lot that went on this season, but not a lot happened. Yeah. It's but like it's I'm, not to I'm, say that I didn't love the episode. I did. Right. There was, there was tons to it and we're going to dive into all of it. But yeah, no, I get your feeling that we've been so conditioned yeah. for two for seasons For this like crazy now. action, that like for, craziness happens. Yeah, and- like the season finale last year, they were blowing up a trailer. They were yeah. into the woods and taking down a, a militia that had t- taken yeah. Tate. There was Beck deaths and <laughs> <laughs> the there Beck were militia brothers, deaths. Yeah. And, you know, Rip riding into a field and becoming a son. And literally the last five minutes was where everything happened. It's a good assessment of it. Right. I mean, we still love Yellowstone, you know, oh, absolutely. I mean? it's like we are even more invested. We, I think the viewers, we like that crazy over the top reaction to things that the Duttons have. They just take it to the next level. Absolutely. And I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. Yeah, um, I'm with you. It was a great episode, though. And I watched it twice, like back to back immediately. Like same. I did the like, exact it just, same thing. I was like, wait, what just happened? It was on like, at nine and then it was on a 10. And I went yeah. nine and 10. <laughs> I did too. I was like, I got to see this again. Like what in the world? The problem is that I didn't get to watch exactly when it started. I was like 30 minutes behind maybe. Which means so, you got to fast forward through the commercials. So well, yes, but I got you texting me and my friend <laughs> going, can you believe this? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. No, I was careful not to say anything. I just said, oh my God, this is nuts. <laughs> so I like turn my phone over and then I have my Apple watch on and it's like dinging. I'm like, no, no, no. So I take my watch off. I'm like, okay, no media until I'm done with this episode because I didn't want anyone to accidentally slip. All I said, all I said was, are you watching this yes. question mark, exclamation, question mark? But I didn't want to answer you because I didn't want you to be like, oh my God. That, well, I know. wouldn't do that until you I know answered. you wouldn't, but. And you said, I just finished WTF. And I said, <laughs> what I said, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm ready to dive in. Let's oh, just, because yeah, we have so much. Oh my gosh. I know, this is going to be a long one, guys, because we got a lot to talk about. <sighs> So what did you think about the show's title? They didn't mention it, and they've mentioned every single show title with the exception of the beating when Jamie finds out that he was adopted. What did you make of the title, The World is Purple? No idea. I felt like as this finale and and what happened at the end, like we should have had a title that meant more, but maybe it means something that we don't know yet or... Maybe. I I was thinking maybe like bloodshed, like, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes like when you hit blood, it's a darker color. Sometimes it's Mm. red, sometimes it's... More bluish uh, purple, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was a signal for blood or something. Yeah. We'll see what this all means. But who do you want to start with? I'm thinking Jamie. Who do you want to start with? We can start with Jamie. I really enjoyed this conversation with his dad. Yes. It was to me like so meaningful. I thought at first it was a pretty key conversation for Jamie in that his dad is basically telling him to take down the empire. Seeing Jamie like he like separating himself from the Duttons. I agree. I think this is a very intentional plot line that the writers and the director have put in saying that yeah. this is this is the the chasm now that he's building between himself and the Duttons. And I'm surprised his dad is like telling him like, well, you're a Randall and you know, you are a killer. That's who you are. And, and he's even saying like, did John, John Dutton even love you? Like he only cares about his ranch. Like I, I don't know how his dad is allowed to speak into his life like that after just one meeting or however long it's been. But he was saying some pretty like pointed things to him. It it feels like we've almost like picked up with them where we left off. Yeah. In the Mm -hmm. last episode. I thought it was very interesting that his dad basically has done a 180 from where we were when we met him. He didn't want to tell Jamie anything. Jamie got 
angry with him for talking about his mother at all. Mm -hmm. And then now we get the story of how it happened. And it was more horrible than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Talking about uh, Jamie being three months or a couple months old and sucking on a crack pipe. Yeah. I I loved what Garrett said. He said, I took her life and gave up mine for For you. you. That was just like huge, a huge moment, I think, in shifting Jamie's point of view away from the Duttons, Mm -hmm. because now this this man who he doesn't know when he was a baby made a huge decision for three people out of love. And then it was basically followed up with the question, does John Dutton love you? Did he love you? Yeah. No, he loves a ranch. That's crazy. Jamie said something that made me kind of perk up and be like, well, why does he think that? He said that the ranch is his, that he built it into what it is now. Why does he think that it's his to run? That's where he was like with John in season one and two, like John had conditioned him to like be the person in charge of all the money and in charge of the legal issues. And like he knows how to run the ranch like financially like with the paperwork and stuff. That's what John wanted for him. That's what he wanted him to do. And he made him the power of attorney. Then Beth tried to take it back. But I mean, he was setting him up to be like the legal head, power head of the ranch, you know? Right. And that I agree with like, you know, he was sent to Harvard and and all that. Casey can't do it without Jamie. Beth thinks she could, but Jamie's like, well, she couldn't do it without me. You know, so it's like, I think he thinks this all revolves around him. Like right, without him. He's the natural selection for. Yeah. You know, and he'd been doing his research. Like we've seen, he's been looking up who has the power of attorney. He's been looking up. The warranty deed the, for the. Yeah. All of that. So this made me think that Jamie is like looking for a power move. And whenever Garrett Randall said, Yellowstone is an empire and you take empires. I think this was probably the most pivotal Mm-hmm. conversation out of. I mean, there's a lot of conversation in this episode, <laughs> but I think this was the most pivotal for how the the meeting that happens later on, how that went down. Yeah. And the aftermath, frankly. Yeah. So Garrett talked about the ranch being an, an empire that you said, and empires you take, you kill the king. Yeah, kill the king. What did you think of that statement? At the end of the episode, I was like, it was Jamie. Yeah. Like, I immediately thought it was him because of this conversation. Absolutely. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. And then he talked about killing being a gift of a Randall. Like, that's that's yeah. what, that's what they, they do. And he knows that Jamie's killed before without he, Jamie even saying a word. Hmm. He's understanding Jamie's nature. And I think Jamie's found like a he, love. Like a, a fam- fam- yeah. familiarity. Yeah, someone who gets him. I think I think I have a connection with the show title. You do? So I think so because when you talk okay. about kings, you talk about royalty. Royalty yeah. is associated with the color purple. And purple is the color that royalty is associated with. And if you're talking about John being a king, John's world is purple. Yeah. If you kill the king then you're purple. Then you're purple. <laughs> right. Then you 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 send into the uh, the purple robe. Okay. That that's that a theory. Could, yeah, Prove us not... wrong. Prove us wrong, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So this was a very Shakespearean kind of a setting for me. This was yeah. very much like Hamlet. Some of these, uh, some of these like ancient storylines that go back, and it just, it just is able to be recreated in such imaginative ways. So I think this was a really important conversation for how the rest of the episode goes down. And I think this is where Jamie's motivations really come from because he's definitely mm-hmm. a different Jamie in that meeting. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Even the line of like your empire and a king, maybe leads into this whole conversation with Mia and Jimmy about being branded and and who you belong to. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I was surprised to see so much of Jimmy in this episode. Yeah, he's been kind of 
Low I just, key. I thought we sort of resolved, you know, he survived and he's recovered and he's going to work the ranch. So I didn't really see this coming in terms of a plot line. I don't know. Do you think, I don't know why we got so much Mia and Jimmy time, did, screen time. Did you like that or thought it was like a you side note? I thought about it after the episode. I'm like, why, why include so much of this? And Mia's basically on such a tear and a tangent mm-hmm. in this episode about him having a brand because she never saw it anywhere else correct so on the ranch right now okay prior to last episode jimmy had the brand mm-hmm. we assume lloyd had the brand yes and rip and rip but rip wouldn't be in the bunkhouse with them so right. Mia would probably only have ever gotten to see jimmy's brand then when they go into the bathroom they see colby teeter ryan the other guy yeah who all got branded and now do you think that she thinks that the Dutton Ranch is a cult? Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but I think she's definitely like, what the hell? Because it's like, why is everybody doing that? Like, what is going yeah. on? And then they're all sort of being a little bit secretive about it. Like, oh, it's a long story or I don't want to talk about it. I think she just doesn't understand, wants to understand, like, what is that about? The reason I say cult is because I listened to a podcast not long ago. It's talking about this Nexium cult. Like NBMI. I've heard of that, I think. Yeah, and they brand their their followers. So they have a Did you was this on Netflix? It might have been on Netflix, but I listened to a podcast. It was Uh, on like Apple Podcasts back when I was taking the train prior to Corona Times. uh, I had listened to this podcast and it was they brand the person on their hip. They have a very specific location that they do. It's a very specific thing. And you have to have done certain things, certain rituals including having sex with the cult leader, mm-hmm. in order to get the brand. There's things that the ranch hands have done that has mm-hmm. earned them the brand, the trust of the Dutton extension, right? The people who run the bunkhouse, who feel that they're worthy of this brand. Jimmy is somewhat blindsided by by Mia's objection to it. And he's saying that he feels that it makes him belong and she has her feelings about what it is. There, there was once I thought about it afterwards and I watched it the second time, I was like, she must think that this is like something along the lines of a cult and Jimmy's, you know, brainwashed into this mentality. Yeah. I mean, it kind of from her perspective, it kind of looks like that. Especially walking into the bathroom and her and Laramie's face. And yeah. then Laramie confirms that then Walker has the brand as well. And he's brand new back to the yeah. back to the realm of the uh the scene, right? I like her perspective. I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. What did you think about where she took it? I mean, it's a good point because I think obviously Rip and if you want to call it the cult, they have to make these people, their ranch hands believe that this is their family. Like they're doing this so that they belong and they have protection and this is where they who they are now. But from the outside world, Mia's not wrong that like this man is like marking you as his property. Like that's right. so messed up. And I didn't really see it like that until she said it. I'm like, I like when she said, don't be that rich man's cattle. Like, whoa. Right. And he's telling Jimmy not to do the thing, the one thing that he's good at and loves. Yeah. It's a very interesting conversation. right? Yeah. And I like the fact that she brought him to the barrel race to show him a paraplegic racer Mm -hmm. who's kicked Mia's butt so many times, she says. So I think that she's saying that, like, no matter what happens to you, there's always a path forward. I I feel like she told him this is how she tells him that she loves him. Yeah. Because he looked a little, like, (laughs) like, doe-eyed all over again. And she wants him to belong to her. But she's got conditions. She's pretty fired up. (laughs) Yeah. So so that's where I was just, like, wondering, like, where 
this fits in. But I think what you brought up saying that don't be a rich man's cattle. This is all part of that empire building. Yeah. I feel like this this is his army, like John's army, right? These people who are wearing the brand of his ranch and that they're completely beholden to him. That makes sense now that there was so much airtime given to this part of the story. I didn't really connect it like that until we're through our until, conversation. Yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, at first I just didn't understand what her deal is. Like, why is she so upset about this? But I do see her point. She's she's walking into this Yellowstone world, this Dutton world a few months ago or whatever. And it's like, wait a minute, you guys all have this brand? Like, what the? What just happened that now four more of you have it? Exactly. But she gave him the ultimatum, though. <laughs> I'm not sure that worked out very well, Mia. Yeah. So when he's walking into the corral with the horse, mm-hmm. what was your thought? Yeah, I thought he was going to get on the horse and try to ride again or see what happened. I did not think he was going to fall off and lay in the dirt <laughs> and not move. Oh, I absolutely thought this. The music uh, was telling me something. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, Jimmy, what are you doing? And then I'm listening to the music and I was just like, yep, yeah, he's going to, I said he's going to like land uh, on his head or something. Jeez. It's the season finale. There's going to be nothing good happening here. I like how he pulled off his little wrist. Like the like that little wrist thing is not hindering you that much, Jimmy. Like, yeah. It's not like you took off your neck brace and like got back on the horse. Which is funny, like, took it off and threw it aside, like, no more of this. Like, I just recorded a podcast the other day for The Alienist, which also just finished. And we were talking about how the season finale ended. And we were like, this could be the series finale. And how do you feel? And we were both like, it ended on such a high note. Like, everybody was good. Everybody was in a good place. And there's there's a good jumping off point for Mm -hmm. each of the characters. Here, I was just like, oh, Jesus, this is going from bad to worse to just insanity. Really bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just a very different dichotomy in the shows, I guess, we're covering. Uh, yeah, it's like this went an entirely different direction. Yeah, I, I didn't want this to go in that direction. I do have a question for you about Walker. Okay. I kind of threw it out there the last episode that we covered that I don't trust Walker's reappearance mm-hmm. as being A, merely coincidental, and B, being on the up and up. Okay. He knows a lot. He shows up at this very pivotal moment where they're going after Wade and, you know, he's very pivotal in that resolution. I don't know. When he says in the morning, he says to Lloyd, and Lloyd, I feel really bad for. I know. I feel really bad. Laramie <laughs> dropped him like a hot potato and was just well, like, yeah. mm, hello, I'm thirsty for you, Walker. <laughs> just the look on his face in the morning when Mia's looking for Laramie and points, he points over to where Walker is. And Walker just says, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. And in any other context, that would have been such an innocent statement. But given what happened that day, it just gave me a little bit of like a, a skin crawl kind mm-hmm. of a moment. There's a or few moments like that. No, I thought he was just like goading Lloyd, like just to be like a bunkhouse guy, like you know, guys are. But and I don't think he would have any knowledge that Laramie was with oh. Lloyd Pryor. I'm just throwing it out there just for some fuel on the fire, just because okay. he just knows a lot. And now he knows a lot more, like he knows where the train station is. Yeah. And he just shows up at this very critical time. So yeah. I'm just, I'm still unsettled about him coming back because he hated that place so much and he couldn't right. wait to get out of there. And now he's back. I mean, that's the fact that could prove you right, is that he has, he just hates hates being here and he does not want any part of this we met him when he was talking to that lady who wanted to obviously take him home for the night he yeah. said he was an expert on death yeah so it's just so many things that are swirling around in my head about him i mean i love him as a character I yeah love me too time that he's in the the scene so I, as a character i really appreciate him i'm just questioning his motives that's all yeah no i get you <laughs> I, you're and you're not wrong it would be so 
juicy if he was part of some sort of underhanded scheme. Only because market equities was it was really shocking to me with the last episode when we learned that Wade was working for them. And, and Wade was because he a had prior, the brand. Yes, because he was a prior Yellowstoney. I don't yeah. know. Yellowstoney. <laughs> Yellowstoney. Yellowstoney. A stoner. I like that. A Yellowstoner. <laughs> They're gonna be a stoner. That's gonna be the name of our podcast next season. We're the, the Yellowstoners. I love it. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not wrong though, because remember we were like, how in the world did market equities figure out that Wade Morrow had a beef with John? Like the only indication is that he has a brand and Walker left and he has a brand. So you're maybe you're right. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's something to it. I I feel like I got to wait a whole year to find out. I know. I was (laughs) like, okay, I'm trying to think like, well, can they scan the, the prison system? And surely there's only a headshot in there. If you could, if that was public record, which I don't know that it is, it probably is. So for my alienist podcast, we do something. So we do teeter talk at the end of here. We do a history corner at the end of there. There, one of the history corners was this Bertillion system. So when somebody is arrested, there's basically a standardization. So this system created the standardization of any individual markings oh, that okay. a person would have. So if they have a tattoo, oh. if they have certain So they could like scars, co- connect like gang members and stuff. Yeah, it's possible. So, okay. you know, and then you could search based on characteristics. Uh, so if you're looking okay. for a guy who's got a scar down the left side of his cheek, you can search by scars on the left side of the cheek okay. as opposed to like people's names. So I don't know, maybe there's some Ooh, that could have happened. So actually this guy Bertillion is really interesting too. He's the reason why we do mug shots the way that we do. Oh, he's, the, okay. he's the guy who came up with it that we do a left facing and a right facing and a forward facing. Huh. So it was from like the 1870s in Paris. You are so smart, Sheila. You're just a very good Googler. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious. So, nice. all right. So that's that was my theory okay. on Walker is that, you know, there's there's just a lot of coincidence You're with right. him showing back up. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Let's write that down yes, for next we'll season. <laughs> put that as a footnote. What else? Pre-meeting. Monica and Casey. Okay. Why is she digging at him so bad for working so much? I was annoyed with this. You know, she said, we moved here to the ranch to be with you, and now you work all the time. So, like, I don't really know where that was going and what that was all about. Because it was only, like, one scene, right? And one phone call. And, like, that's it. I think this might be some post-traumatic Mm-hmm. things that she's dealing with from the aftermath of, of her mission with the, the reservation. This is her way of saying without actually saying it that she needs a little bit more support that she might need him around a little bit more because okay. she jumps like he touches yeah. her and she jumps on its face. It looks like a little bit of a backtrack for them. Yeah. In terms of their relationship. But I think in context of the larger story that we've seen them go through, I think this might be just her way of saying to him is that I need you around more, but she's not able to articulate it. And maybe the we needed this like one more mention of the land because we mentioned the land several times in this episode. But Monica says it right here, like because Casey's saying like he is liking fighting for people who care. And she's like, well, the land cares. So I don't know. Maybe they just needed one more like, you know line about the land the land was something that on the second watching of this i i saw the thread of the theme yeah the native americans talk about the land as if it's a character as if yeah. it's a person, a person a, yeah a, yeah so it as if it if it has feelings soul. and emotion it's so yes a yeah. soul she talks about the land caring about what he's doing angela talks later about the land being freed of the chains of john dutton yeah and she had tears in her eyes when yeah. she finished that. 
And then John talks about the land as well, but he's talking about more in terms of its value to him. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about it more as a possession. I just It was such an interesting step to look at it from the perspective. And in season two, Monica was really like, the moral voice and bringing in a lot of Native American issues to the forefront. This was kind of missing for me this season. And here it was back again. And it was very subtle in how they brought it up. And I just, I was definitely digging how they brought the land in as probably the most important part of this episode. Yeah. Before we get off Monica and Casey, oh my God, (laughs) Casey's approached by the the chairman of the, who are they? The chairman Uh, of the- I wrote it down, the stock- It sounded very official. Yes, it was. Oh, the Stock Growers Association. Stock Growers Association. The SGA. (laughs) My husband was like, what's a stock grower? I'm like, I don't know. I think they grow- Cattle stock. They grow cattle. Oh, they grow oh. Wall Street stocks. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I did not see this coming no. about him being approached for public office. No, I just don't know. I mean, he keeps saying he's not a politician. He doesn't want to be involved in politics. I mean, he's trying to run his father's ranch. I don't. I just don't see that as being part of who he wants to be. But later on, when he's talking to Monica on the phone about it, and she's annoyed at the, she just seems to be annoyed at the whole conversation around him even being approached as governor. But he seems to be a little cautiously optimistic. Or he's annoyed that she's not immediately like, oh, let's talk about it. Because I mean, that's a very big accolade for someone yeah, to for think st- that you're governor material. Yes. No one's ever approached me to be a governor. Right. <laughs> what does it say about my character? Uh, yeah, it would be feel really great to be approached for people to be saying, like, we want you. We are going to vote for you. We want to support you. We want to build you into this. That would feel really great. And I think he probably just wanted Monica to be like, whoa, that's amazing that they approached you. Like, how is that going to work? You know, instead she was just like, hell no. And then that there was this icy moment where between them and he says, well, we can go back to, you know, kind of the way we were and have the secrets just grow and grow. Yeah. And then I'm just trying to like think about Monica's motivations. And I think this was just her way of saying that she just needs him. Yeah. I mean, to have one more thing taking your husband away, I'd be like, right. Like if if the livestock commission was already keeping away for 16 hours a day. Yeah. Imagine what being the governor of the state would (laughs) would do for that. Right. For days on end. Montana's a big state. Well, think about it. Truly. Like if you're the wife of a politician, that's an entire life change for you as well. Like you now you have to go to functions and you have to make appearances and that's not who Monica is. And this would probably be another pinch yeah. on her career. Exactly. So I mean and I take her away. Completely see why she's like, um no. And then also the scrutiny that comes with the two, like they're the Dutton, so they're already <laughs> You know, way back when Jamie couldn't bring Beth to a, a, a clinic in Helena because yeah. of Billings because of who they were. Yeah, so don't imagine... they vet their politicians? I don't think he would pass. I don't think so. Well, you know, I guess if market equities is doing the research, he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he felt honored. I think so, too. He I looked... don't know if it's something that he's going to want to pursue, but it was just, we'll talk about that. <laughs> 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 in a perfect world okay are we talking about rip can we talk about rip because the... I, I feel like we're getting closer to the 800 pound gorilla and this this was Jesus. this was definitely like a 400 pound gorilla for me okay okay what did you think about him wanting to dig up his mama first of all again the guy said again again i, know, I was I like down again the... with a question mark then I was like, no way she looks like that after 15 years. Isn't it more? Because didn't... Probably isn't more, asked, but I was being he conservative. Asked, basically, he came to the Dutton Ranch. He was like, what, 14 or 15, yeah. right? Yeah, and so. now we know that 
him and Beth are around the same age, and it's been 20 years. Yeah. So she's so been dead 20. for, like, at least 20 years. Like that? No. But I guess Eddie is the embalmer of choice. <sighs> this is Like, this is who we need to go see when the time comes. Okay, I no, I can't do this. This is so <laughs> disgusting. Like, no, I'm sorry that she has on a ring, but no. And don't touch her. Stop talking to her. That's, mm-mm. I, I did think it was very funny. So this was definitely the creepiest and most heartfelt moment at the same time. Like, it was so weird. I'm like, what am I feeling? I'm like, I, I feel like I'm going to retch. But I'm also like, oh, give me a tissue. Here. Uh, <laughs> I no. thought it was very sweet when he cursed and then he apologized to his mama. Oh, like, if you're talking to your dead mama, you don't need to see her body. You can just talk to her. Yeah, but like, like why would you keep her rings on her for safekeeping? Uh, after she's been dead. So Okay, well, number one, when you're like 14. Well, he ran, right? So he didn't bury her. No, he, wasn't he didn't. involved in that. So so we got the story last season from him that, you know, because Beth was at, they were, they were on the roof. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember that, that conversation that they had. And she asked him because she was making fun of his coat. And she said, what do you spend all your money on? And he listed off all the, the amount of headstones that he had for his oh, mother yeah. and his brother and his sister. Did you see that headstone behind the coffin? It was huge. It was huge. And there was an etching of her. Uh-huh. But he said he spent something like $22,000 on one of them. For his siblings, he got headstones and he got a headstone for his mama. And then he also paid, he said the best $5,000 he paid was to the grave digger to dig up his father. And he threw his bones all over South Dakota or whatever oh it was. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I remember Maybe that that's... from when I rewatched it. And for some reason, that scene has stuck with me because I was just like, that's what you it's spend like, your money on. You have a good memory. For certain things. <laughs> ask me what I had for breakfast. For digging like, up um, dead people, you have a good memory. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like why we take mug shots the way that we do. Uh, so, okay. So the comment again was, is that the first time was for the father and the second time was for the mother? I guess he dug up his mother and siblings and had them moved oh. to a cemetery okay. and then had them buried properly because I think they were just kind of like in a pauper's grave. I'm not sure. Okay. But he, that's what he did. So Ooh. I guess he's familiar enough with this grave digger that he can just be like, got to go check on mama. Got to get a ring, you know, uh-uh. tucked my cell phone charger in there. You know, got to go get it. Oh, gosh. That threw me off. What is this for? Like, no. I had a very bad sense again. So I, I just get bad feelings with this <laughs> show, like every like left, right, and center. So between Jimmy walking into the crowd, I'm like, oh, shit. With Rip opening up the casket and talking to his mama and putting the hand on her and taking Ugh. the ring off, I was like, Oh my god. And then when what happened to Beth later on, I'm like, this is how he's gonna put the ring on Beth. Oh no. I did not think that. That's what I thought of. I was like, oh my god. Oh so. gosh. Oh Sheila. I know. I'm the worst. I know. Okay, now I'm really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping not, but of the three of them, and we'll talk about this later, Aww. of the three of them. She's she's in the worst position. She's going to be hard-pressed to yeah. get out of that situation. Okay, I did not think of that, but that's really sad. <laughs> Sorry. Like, her hair was close to Beth's color. I was like, mm. oh, Jesus Christ. Because that's what happened. That's what I thought when I watched it the second time. So I recommend people watching this episode twice. Mm. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my gosh. So the only other comment I think I have before this big meeting was with Angela and... Um, and rainwater when he's on top of the um the roof of the casino yeah what did you think about her her wish so so the, i got this feeling that rainwater thinks that she's ashamed of her people or yeah. some, something to that effect what did you think about her statement about going back in time 
it seemed a little off because I was thinking about what she said about because what was she she was going to get hire them the biggest law firm and tell them to do what and basically they if they had done that back then that Yellowstone would be theirs mm. but she also said that this won't happen with rainwater at basically leading it yeah she does not have faith she's not in his him. fan at all Mm-mm. yeah I just wasn't sure what to make of that I, I thought it was a very powerful statement on her part that she wants to basically revise how they approached the white people yeah but also she's got some unresolved feelings about rainwater and this is where she talked about the land as well she says you know you there's owning the land and losing the land i can't read his look like he's yeah. looking at her and i just can't read what he's thinking about her so i mean good for him for having a good she's face. really hard on him throughout this whole episode and before too but i'm just saying like she's not she's no holes barred tonight She's not sugarcoating how she really feels, and she expects more out of him, I think. I think that's a good statement, that she's expecting more out of him, and she's just not getting it. Yeah. This conversation paired with the conversation after the meeting is something to consider as a whole, but this part of it, I just was like, okay, what does that mean? At the moment, I just thought it was kind of random. And I think that's also how she would have approached it. Like, say, like, she had existed in this time. I think that's how, like, an Angela Blue Thunder would have approached it. But she didn't obviously mm-hmm. exist at that time. But <laughs> all right, are we ready for the meeting? The yeah, meeting? I enjoyed seeing Jamie like so cool, calm, and collected, and angry. Really, is what I got out. Of it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he I, is. I just kind of jotted down that I was like, he looks like he's simmering. Like if oh, he just yeah. moved his shirt collar, like the steam would have come out of it. I agree. Yeah. So Jamie was definitely new. Jamie this meeting. So I kind of was wondering your take on the power dynamics in here. Who do you think had the upper hand in this massive show of power? I liked how it just kept shifting. (laughs) It did. It really Uh, was a dance. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was so what I thought it was, was was like a almost like a card game or a poker game. Yes. Willa folded before the cards were even dealt. (laughs) Right? So, so the funny. phone started chiming and she had to step out because she was getting all kinds of breaking news about her yep. being a, <laughs> named in a harassment suit. So then Beth took the upper hand, right? Yep. Take that, you fucking bitch. I thought that was really good. So Willa folded. Jamie was really the puppeteer mm-hmm. because every time somebody came at him with something, he had the next answer. As much as Beth is like just ripping into Jamie all the time for everything in the last three seasons, the fact that he could just look at her and be like, well, in Utah, you have the power of attorney, but here in Montana, it's me. Like I was like, yes, <laughs> just out of the sheer like back and forth these two have, or really it's mostly just Beth ragging on Jamie. So I was really proud of him at this moment of just like getting her back, like just silencing her for once. Like she had nothing else to say at that point. And I loved it. And he cut the legs out from under her by saying, well, if she was a lawyer, she would have known that. Yes. It was just like, he just had a barb for every statement that was made. Yeah. And Beth was taken by surprise by him during the meeting. Then she got her feet again when she got up. I know. I was like, dang it. But yeah, yeah, I was really proud of him for that. Like just, he had planned that and knew that that was going to come. Yeah. He like chided her. was like, well, I approved the sale of this land. She's like, well, actually it needs to come from me. And he's like, well, actually. So I, I thought that was well played, Jamie. Good job. I, I thought it was funny too when Rourke is introduced and John's like, wait, wait, who's Rourke? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Beth's face when he said that, yes. um, that this, if once you put a name to this face, you'll, you'll never, never forget, forget it. it. Her face was hilarious. She was, she was like, oh, brother, like yeah. gag me. Like, look. that was hilarious. 
like so Rourke was standing and kind of leaning on something prior to this and then Willa gets up and he sits in her chair Mm -hmm. so again there's like this this dance of like people moving around and I felt like that was a shift in power yes it was very well done yeah so it like shifted to Rourke and he's talking ah it was so good and then when John puts him in his place that was really good yeah when um Rourke tried to say that the, the, they don't need the bond that Jamie said that the, the state would need in order to make this happen. Jamie's cautioning, you know, John, that he should sell it, that otherwise... So he's doing the right thing even by the Duttons by saying, you should just sell it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll get, you know, pennies on the dollar, plus you'll go into ruin because I can't be the lawyer for you. Yeah. So he, I feel like, ev- like, this is what I'm saying. Like, every time something got thrown at him, he was ready with the next yeah. level so he'd done his homework more so than I think anybody else in the room. Yeah, and I liked that for Jamie. I feel like his testicles dropped this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he just became a man. Oh right? my gosh. <laughs> I finally it's graphic, but it's but I think it took him this amount of time this to really find his voice and to, to find like I guess his position in this family. Yeah. And right now I think he just thinks it's a legal position. Yeah. Like he's just legally a Dutton, but he's not really. And it shows. Yeah. And I also think that the governor gave away her power. She didn't make a decision. He said, well, the decision's hers. And she says, there's no decision. It's just options. So she took herself out of the power dynamic and put it back to Jamie and to John. So is that okay. who it come? Okay. So, yeah, so I just think, I think Jamie had the upper hand the whole time. I do too. But I like how Rainwater just like kind of jumps in there with his little, well, by the way. Yeah. I was going to just ask you that. It's like, tell me what you thought about Rainwater's bomb at the back of the uh, room. How disrespectful that this was not held in a conference room. Do you think? Disres- okay. I think it was disrespectful because the Native Americans were shoved in the back. Oh, just wow. because of how they walked in. Because John even remarked at the theatrics of this. Yeah. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, like all these people, they're just cramming into Jamie's office. When That's you have, true. When you have like 30 people. Because all the market equities people just kind of standing along the sidelines in the back. So yeah, I just thought why, it was, you're right. Like, why? The way that this got executed was brilliant because it's like, hang on a second. From the back of the room, they, they bring in their, their concern that's not being addressed. After, again, at the second watch, I'm like, why wasn't this in the conference room? This should have definitely been held somewhere where they could have accommodated respectfully the group that was gathered. That's a good point. Jamie had the upper hand until this moment, I feel. So, like, say Rainwater and Angela Boothunder can proceed with this lawsuit and stop the sale, the building of this airport. Then what happens? Does Jamie get, he gets to keep his land? Because Rainwater ultimately wants that land back, too. So, I don't know that that's really... Rainwater's got the right in game, but I think he's just trying to stop the airport. But I mean, still at the end of that scenario, Jamie and the Duns would have the land, right? Right. So I think by them throwing in the monkey wrench about the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Report missing the mm-hmm. impact study that feeds um, to to the national park and the reservation, I think that they're able to stop the airport being built. So then that removes market equity. So that just leaves Rainwater to deal with the Duttons. Yeah. Back and, to square one, though, really. But then Angela has her idea to, to kill the king. That's the, the conversation that they have in the car leaving when she's all up in arms. So I, I'm not sure how Rainwater would handle John necessarily. Right. She has a, obviously a suggestion for him. The bomb of Angela dropping 
what she did on that group, I was just like, yes, this is what I needed her here for yeah. this whole season. <laughs> you know, we'll get the Sierra Club and the whole gang will be there. It was just so well executed. Mm-hmm. And just saying that if anyone's curious, this will be the basis of our lawsuit. And basically, she ends the meeting. She gets up, they walk out, and then the market equities people start filing up behind her. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, okay, okay well, now we got to deal with the lawsuit first, and then we'll deal Bravo. with the rest of this. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, did you live up to your hype, lady? And then I felt that Rainwater pegged John down a notch by saying that, well, you can get in on this class action lawsuit because how will this impact your land? And we can represent you. It was just like, as if to say, like, I couldn't afford the attorneys myself. Yeah. That's the power. The power dynamic was it went from Jamie to Rainwater and Angela in in seconds. But I feel like they they basically shared the winner trophy for this meeting. Yeah, Rourke too is trying to prove that they still had the upper hand and everything he was saying, like trying to prove his point. Like, well, we've fought lawsuits before. We've we built yeah. a pipeline. Yeah, the pipeline through their reservation. That line that John tells Rourke too, and that's was in the promos. You know, we kind of already knew it was coming. But it's such a good line. Well played. <laughs> so I love how, and he's like, uh, you don't even know what you've gotten yourself into. Like, this is. I'll teach you the rules. Yeah. So good. So market equities left that meeting with like basically nothing accomplished. Like they, <laughs> Willa just like up and left. Yeah. And work was like, uh, okay. okay. John and Jamie are sort of at this power play too. Like Jamie seems to have a position on his own now. Yes. And it seems to be apparent to John. Because he calls him out basically on, he says, I'm leaving and you don't say hello and you don't say goodbye. He's just stone-faced. Yeah. So there's definitely a shift in him and now everybody knows it. I thought Jamie telling the governor that he is only doing what he does for himself now, that's a huge perspective shift for Jamie. And I think that you could sort of see the recognition in the governor's eyes of like, oh, like, okay. Yeah, she gives him a look like, okay. You're not fighting for John anymore. That, I think that was important for that conversation, for Jamie to tell the governor that too. And she's going to make make from it what she wills. It'll be interesting to see where she goes with that. I just like the little the the small conversation just between John and Rourke. He was just so cocky. Rourke, he, he goes, just get it out of your system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, I can and, say that too. It's my land. It's my land. Like, it's yeah, like a little and, brother. Like, I, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> exactly. And it was just like, just get it out of your system. So, uh, John's taunting him about, you know, the lost dogs and things like that. You lose your pet. I just thought it was interesting that we've gotten to this love, this, this episode, like number 10, and you forget that they haven't seen each other, right? They don't know each other. We just take for granted that Rourke's been here the whole time. Yeah. It was just an, it it was just a really well done meeting of the minds and and everyone coming to, to terms with why they're there for all the different reasons that they're there. It's like, Rourke, well, which one's that? Yeah. Oh, wait. Who's oh, that? It's you. That's yeah. funny. Are we ready for the aftermath yes. of the meeting? I want to talk about Angela and Rainwater first. Yes. So after the meeting, I really thought Jamie was behind everything that happened. But now I'm kind of thinking it's Rainwater. I don't know. We have points for every each party being responsible for this. But the yes. fact that she's like, she really just goes into this monologue of like, you look like his friend right now. You have an opportunity. And we've been talking about how you need to take the land and you need to take back what's ours. And this is your chance to look like a friend. No one's going to look at you when something goes down. So she was like really smart in telling him that. And she spells it out. She says, John would be killed and you re- you restore the lands. Yeah. 
by following the master's rules. How uncomfortable did that monologue from Angela make you feel yeah. about the U.S. breaking all its treaties with the master and the slave rules? Yes. This is that moral reckoning. The United States government has done a very, very poor job when we've talked about this. Yeah. We saw it this season with the sterilization, the forced sterilization of Native Americans if they sought an abortion. This was just another level to remind us that history is not so long ago when it mm -hmm. comes to, to relations with the Native American tribes. And she brings up the fact that up until the, the, the from the very first treaty to the one with Iran from 2015, that the U.S. holds different rules for different people that they do not apply to themselves. Yeah. So it was just a very interesting, again, shift in power to, to make Rainwater think a different way. And, and he's very quick to say, I'm not a criminal. Well, he, he's like trying to play by their rules. So I can beat them even with their rules. Right. And he's looking at her like she's not giving him enough credit that he's a smart man and he has the tribe's interest at heart. And then she involves Mo. I know. That he's from a warrior clan, but he's been made a slave. Yeah. By rainwater. And, like, that's crazy. And then when she finishes this diatribe, she's got legit tears in her eyes. And I'm just like, I didn't expect this from her. I didn't expect her to espouse murder uh -huh. as a resolution. I thought that she was more savvy than that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think she was a street thug. <laughs> <laughs> down, down at her core. Yeah. I thought she was more polished than that. And she was very polished. And her, I don't know about you, but like, I couldn't stop staring at her. Uh, her. Her lips. Her lips. They didn't move. The top lip didn't move. It was very distracting. It was very distracting. <laughs> uh, and I hate to talk about her looks like that, but because she's so beautiful. She is beautiful. But her lips did not move and they were the wrong color. Like. Yes. They were like in some, in one, I think she was wearing like a deep burgundy lipstick. That looked amazing. It did, but in certain light, it looked like black and purple, and I didn't like that. It was, it was pretty distracting. Like when it me. was the true burgundy. I know, we're being very shallow right now. I know. But, um, <laughs> for me, it's more like a referendum on like how people just make themselves look so plastic, and they just think things don't move after a certain time. <laughs> she actually was part of the fan page commentary as well on her oh, lips. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we're not the only ones talking about her lips. So. Oh, okay, good. Because, you know, lips should move. It was just a little distracting. And uh, she was like, saying such important things. And like, I was like, okay, but the message is getting lost. Like, her lipstick looks black, maybe. And I'm like distracted, paying attention yeah. to her lips, where I should be paying attention to her words. I, I heard somebody, I don't know who it was, but it was an, um, an interview being given. And it was talking about women in Hollywood after a certain age. And that it was, I remember who it was. I wish I could. But they were saying that basically women over 40 in Hollywood, their foreheads don't move. Yeah. Because they're frozen with Botox. So they can't make expressions <laughs> with their foreheads. A random side note. Mm. I kind of noticed that now in TV shows. Yes. Because Botox is like a discussion with me and my friends about mm -hmm. when and, you know, are you doing it? Blah, blah. So right. you can't move your forehead. So nope. when I see an actor on TV and they like raise their eyebrows and their whole forehead wrinkles, I'm like, oh, they don't have Botox. Botox, like interesting. I'm like, if I was going to be on national television, I probably would get Botox. Same. I Same. would want to look as perfect as possible. But kudos to you for being like true to who you are. I wasn't paying attention to whether her forehead moved, but I was paying attention to her lips. <laughs> they did yes. not. <laughs> so I was like, that's a lot of lip filler looks like. 
I feel like we're using this to not talk about what happens next. I know. Okay. It's really not a big deal. And she's beautiful. And I... She is beautiful. I want her skin tone and her beautiful dark brown hair, but... But she can leave her lipstick at home. Yeah. <laughs> Just change her lipstick color. Yeah. Okay. So this conversation was key, like after the final scene cut. And I thought, okay, it was Jamie. And then I thought, okay, no, it was Rainwater. And then I thought, okay, no, it was Rourke and Willa because of their conversation. So... Right. But that was very short. And I, okay, so let's dissect that because she's pissed that Beth got her in trouble for workplace conduct or whatever. I guess Rourke came back and told her about the meeting. So she's saying like, okay, this is no more like we need to fight dirty. So. Oh yeah, she's unhinged. Tell me about that conversation for you. So I think she was just spiraling. Oh yeah. So she said that she looked me in the eye. She told me that it was her. So she tells Rourke that he needs to start to play dirty. And he just kind of looks at her like. I have been. Yeah. That brings me back to the conversation you and I have had prior. Was Willa then unaware that Rourke hired Wade? Do you remember we talked yeah. about this being, was this personal or was this business? Right. We kind of thought that he was like personally embarrassed. Yeah. She doesn't seem to know. But she also doesn't press the issue of, well, what have you been doing to play dirty? So I'm not sure. But I do think that Wade was Rourke's own concoction. Okay. I don't think that Willa needs to know everything that Rourke does in the course of his duty. I was curious to get your take on what do you think it meant that we need to treat this like an oil deal in Yemen well, okay. in terms of tactics? I don't know. I've never done an oil deal in Yemen. Does that mean like machine guns? I know that there was a civil war in Yemen and oil was one of the commodities that they were fighting over. Okay. So um, civil war. Okay. So Civil war. So... So yeah, break um, out the guns and break out the guns or shoot something. them down. To me, that just and like oil is dirty. I don't know. Maybe that's the dirtiest thing that there is. Maybe it's code for something. I don't know. But it just felt very menacing and very, very much something that I don't think we want to see. <laughs> Based on what happened next, I didn't get that outcome from this conversation. Okay. So I was like, she just said it's a oil, like treated like an oil deal in Yemen. Yeah. We need to play dirty. And I thought, okay, well, does that really give the same day you've hired an entire team of hitmen? Like, I don't think that that was market equities. I didn't look to see what Beth was wearing. Was it? Because she's the only one that wears anything really different. Uh, um, I don't know. So it makes sense that it's the same day because to me, John's on his way home. Casey's on the phone with Monica telling her about what just happened with the, they want me to be the governor. There's plenty of time in the day for Beth to have gone to that meeting in the morning and then stop by her office to clean up on the way home. Yes. So to me, okay, it's I the agree. same an hour later. So it just doesn't seem possible that Rourke would have orchestrated all of that in like three hours at most. Unless he already had it in motion. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm very skeptical that this was market equities, but at the same time, I feel the same way about Rainwater and Angela. Like, did they orchestrate all of that in the same afternoon? No. Okay, so... <sighs> I'm very torn about who is behind this. So I have theories. I feel like that, um, that popular meme that's out there with the guy who's got, you know, he's got all the crazy ideas and the, the board and everything is connected. Jamie has 500 million reasons yep. to do this. But not to Casey. But not to Casey. That's my only, like... That's the only uh, thing. 
I totally pegged this on Jamie. And I was like, but why Casey? That's what I said. I said, even though Casey was the most decent one to him, but he's still a threat because of his I guess. revenge ability. We'll put it that way, right? <laughs> revenge ability. He, like he's able to. Yeah, I mean, he could, he's, got a, yeah. he's got a particular, he's like Liam Neeson, right? He's got a particular set of skills. Yes. That is very unique to Casey. If Jamie is making a power play, and we said this back when he was, you know, under the cover of darkness, pulling out the warranty deal. Yes, he's We're been like, working what is on he something. Doing? He's been doing a power play. So if you're going to kill the king, you have to take out the people who are also a threat. Who the are heirs to, to the, the throne. The heirs to the throne. And leaving just yourself yep. there. Because even then, with all of the, the shift in power of attorney and all of the... I mean, I don't think John took Jamie out of the will, but Jamie has the most motive. And for me, I think he's got the most resources. Yeah. Now that he's back in touch with dad like my initial instinct was like this was jamie because of everything you're saying like he's sort of been thinking about how to play this and how to like the best thing is to sell the land and make the money and then he's got this disconnect from his family and now he's identifying with his dad who's like telling him to kill the king like i totally think it's jamie but at the same time i was like well what about casey i, don't, I just didn't see jamie going after casey so if it was to be rainwater yeah. Who's been a threat to Rainwater out of the Duttons? It's really just John, right? Yeah. John is really the only person he's really dealt with. Yeah. So he doesn't necessarily have... But the same thing, he's got to take out the whole empire to get the land. Exactly. So but where's John Jamie's the hit then? Then why is Jamie left standing? Yes. Right? So if you're going to take out everybody... You leave Jamie alive, but he's the one who has the most power. power yeah. And now everybody in that meeting knows that if if you got to take out the Duttons, Jamie is the one that you got to take out. That's where my head went to. I was like, okay, it makes sense for Rainwater to do this, especially with these conversations today he's been having with Angela about taking back your land. And we don't care how you do it. This is your legacy that you'll be remembered by. So yeah, he has the mo- the motive and the like reason to take out the Duttons, but why leave Jamie? Right. And then market equities, John and Beth are seen as the threat. Like, Dwork has just been dealing with Beth, and Beth has cost the millions and now possibly Willa's career. But Casey is unknown to them. Yeah, exactly. Unless they did their digging. But they knew about Wade Morrow and maybe about Walker. Maybe about Walker. We don't know. So. But they left Jamie alive. Unless they want him alive to sell them the land. Yeah, that's true. Because if... If all the Duttons die, then this market equity still doesn't get the land necessarily. Right, because then there would, there would be court proceedings. I'm sure that would have to happen. So well, this is why it, I love Yellowstone. It's like I was so, like I said, I was disappointed until the last five minutes. And then when you think about it and all of these like scenarios, you're like, man, this is so good. This is such a good show. Yeah. It's so good. It could be anybody. It could be any of those people. Right. It could be one big coordinated attack. It could be these separate entities that just have no. miraculous timing. No way. Don't think so. <laughs> but I got one last question for you. Who survives? So I think of the three, Beth is in the most perilous situation. Yeah. That was a um, very close bomb. Bomb. Yes. Like, um, and, and not for anything, she had alcohol in her hands. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. like, fire and alcohol just, <laughs> you know, they don't go together. That's funny. Yep, you're right. Okay. John could, you know, Rip could 
happen to drive by John or something. Okay, so I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the time on our podcast. We are running very long. I know. We got to talk. So Rip finds a horse in the field. Yeah. This horse to me looked like it had bullet holes in it. The horse was bleeding from its midsection. I know. I was wondering. They didn't show us the injury to the horse. So there was like blood on like the flank of the horse, like the side, the horse's side. Like there was blood and... I don't know, because the buzzards were there. So the horse was already down, mm-hmm. and then the buzzards came. So, And then there were other buzzards circling. Somewhere Rip, else. That's when, Rip, that's when Rip said, he goes, the whole fucking valley's dying today. Like, was this horse maybe accidentally shot in the John? That's pretty far away, because those buzzards circling were really far. And they're not circling John. He's still alive. Well, the, the lady. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what happened to her kid. I didn't see the kid. Oh, no. I, and I don't want to think about that. Like when Rip said the thing about like, I'd rather kill a thousand men than kill another horse. Right? I'm like, dude, I am there with you. Oh, I, know. I hate when animals. Ugh. I anyway. thought that that was a little bit of a weird side note for Rip to be killing a horse during all of this. Otherwise, why look at the other buzzards and he's mm-hmm. seeing them? The the very last second with John. So he pulls the cell phone out, right? <laughs> it's got the bullet hole in it. And he's like, you know, <laughs> you know, doesn't that figure kind of thing. But he looks up and then the breathing stops. And that's when the it, the end scene is. Because he was shot multiple, multiple times. times. You see his arm is bleeding. He got the one where the cell phone is. And I can't imagine that that was just it. There's a slim chance. Because they're but so he, far out. Like how is anybody going to find him in time? The lady already confirmed that there's no cell phone signal. Yeah. And now his cell phone is shot to shit. I was immediately questioning this whole scenario, too. Like, this lady, I was like, surely this lady is not going to kill John in front of this little boy. Like, I was thinking she was going to do something to John. Okay, are you ready? This, this, I have been oh, saving gosh. this for okay. an hour and 14 <sighs> minutes. What? At the end of episode one of this season, at camp, he's comforting Tate around the campfire. Because Tate hears something at the camp, and uh-huh. he's, he's nervous. He's still recovering, right? Yep. And Tate starts talking to John about his nightmares. John tells Tate that he has a nightmare where he stops at the side of the road to help some people, but they don't actually want help. They want something else. This is exactly what he, he says. said. I lifted that? This, this I lifted it right from the episode because I saw it on Twitter. So thank you, Twitter. What? Tw- um, Yellowstone last night at the end of the episode, they said, all right, who shot JD? Twitter, let's hear your theories. So I scrolled through it today and someone said, he said it. He said that this was his nightmare. That this was going to happen. Then why on earth would, would you, you stop? stop? <laughs> because that's what he said. He said, if you see someone that needs help, you help them. That's like the, because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But if that was your nightmare only oh just weeks gosh. ago when you were just at the summer camp and it's fresh in your mind because you're, you were having a conversation with your grandson. That's what he said. The thing about the soup, like you, you just change the ingredients of the soup. What? He so was she that? a plant? Was she a plant that went bad or was this just weird coincidence? I was very suspicious. I thought some this lady is about to like shoot him or something. I literally thought that because, but I, I was like, she can't do that in front of a little kid. Like that's just totally messed up. So I was suspicious the whole time he was talking to her. Because she was acting skittish and standoffish, yeah. which is normal. I mean, you know, we're women and, you know, there's there's certain things that we have to think about that men don't generally have to think about. Yeah. Like when we're stopped on the side of the road or something like that. And then if a man comes up to you, be like, oh, for God's sake. Right. So she's acting in a certain way. And when you look at it on its face, it's valid. You know, it's yeah. like, who are you? You know, you're not with anybody else. Us as viewers, we know just two episodes, three episodes back, Monica, what happened when she met a man at the side of the road? Yeah. She's acting in a certain way, but it doesn't feel natural. 
No. It didn't feel but like then, she actually needed help. Very suspicious. I mean, there was a, legit a flat. But right. I mean, but... You know, you could easily plant like a something on the road and roll over and then you have a flat. Yeah. But just because Twitter said that and I went back and checked and it was legit. Like that was word for word what he said in what? the episode that he stops at the side of the road to help somebody, but that's not what they want. I thought you were about to tell me that this was a dream. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's not about, I was like, no, no. his worst nightmare. I'm like, she's not going to say this was a dream. Is it? I did. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I think of the three of them. I think Casey is the most likely to survive. Yeah. He probably had a gun on his person well, he or under his desk. desk and or... I feel like, I feel like his desk would have been pretty sturdy. Yeah. Maybe like some cedar or mahogany or something like that, <laughs> that, you know, might have stopped some automatic bullets. Maybe. I'm hoping. But I think Beth is in the most dire of circumstances. That last second i can't even say it like the last second with john when he kind of like looks up yeah and it looks like he stops breathing right i mean the only reason i'm gonna say they're not dead is because this is yellowstone and there's a season four and like you can't kill off john and beth you can maybe kill off casey that would be really sad but like (laughs) so the only reason i'm gonna say they survive is because there's like a next season So. Yes. So, well, somebody but it has seems to survive. Very imp- impossible at this point. Yes. Well, it's, it seems very impossible that all three of them survive. Right. Oh my gosh. You and the whole the rip and the ring on Beth. Oh gosh. I hope we don't have to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if Beth, I mean, this is a shouldn't laugh. But I mean, if Beth was blown up by a bomb, there's gonna probably not be fingers. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm gross this episode. What can I tell it's too you? Too much. This is what I love about the show. It's like you're you're like, "Come on, I wish I had more." But then by the time you think about it, you're like, "Whoa." Yeah, this this was a lot, like a lot to process. That was my bomb for you. Like, sorry, Beth, but this was my bomb for you for this one because of the dream that he had. Why on earth would you stop, man? But anyway. Per tradition, and this is our last episode, we have to talk I'm about sad. our teeter talk, but there is no teeter talk. She didn't say anything this episode. She said nothing. And She's... neither did any of the other bunkhouse guys except for Walker and Lloyd sort of shrugged. Grunted. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they all look pretty uh, miserable and recovering from their branding. And this is literally the morning after because Beth. Yeah, because Beth, Rip Beth like walks in and like, oh, like, oh, you're out all night. But yeah, so they're just putting like some ointment and balm on this open burn on their bodies i'm just curious like if there's any because we're assuming that teeter's the first woman yeah to have the brand does it do anything different on her versus on men because there's just more tissue there just not quite as much muscle yeah i'm glad to see that she's improved that you know she's upright and she's not so wobbly (laughs) yeah man she's had a rough day so, yeah, I mean, we're used to this body count at the end of our seasons, but I did not expect them to all be Duttons and Jimmy. Like, what the? Yeah, I'm going to put Jimmy in the body count yeah, category. I'm pretty sure he's in the body count. So we're putting money down on this that it's Jamie. 500 million reasons and the most most opportunity for resources to do this. Yeah, it definitely looks like Jamie. Because everybody else left him standing. And if you're looking to kill the king, you get, like we said, we got to kill everyone who could wear that purple robe. Yeah, that's where we're going. The world's purple. And because Jamie was the only one not in the season photo that promotes Yellowstone season three, like (gasps) 
we've been having that theory the whole time. Like, why is Jamie not in there? Like, it's kind of, it has to be Jamie. The obvious conclusion, but then this is Yellowstone, so it can't be the obvious conclusion. So this is why I'm going, like, it's just round and round in my head. I'm like, ah. That's really good because the promo had John standing with a shovel yep. looking down and Beth and, Beth and Rip and then Beth and Rip, Casey and Monica together on yep. one side of John and Jamie was nowhere to be found. Maybe the perspective was different. Yeah. Maybe it was shifted. Interesting. I love the show. I love doing a podcast with you. It's so fun. Yes. I'm sad that this is over. We haven't actually met in person, but I feel like we've been friends forever. Yes, absolutely. Now we have to wait. This is terrible. But they are filming. That has been confirmed. They are filming season four currently now, even with everything that's going on. They're they're able to film out there in Montana and Utah. So it's happening. Yay. Yay. Okay, well, let's do another podcast together before next Yellowstone, but I will meet you back here for season four. Absolutely, because we got to see if all our theories are correct. I can't wait. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners because we do this podcast and we don't get paid for it. We do this because we love the show so much and we love talking about it. But we want to thank you because every week that we've done this, we've been in the top 50 and top 100 of Apple's TV review podcasts. And that's because of you guys and your engagement with us and your likes on Twitter and your retweets on Twitter and Instagram. And we just appreciate it so much because we were just two people who (laughs) were thrown together. We became friends. And we do this once a week for an hour and a bit. And this, sorry, this one ran long. Yeah. But- We just want to say thank you to all of you people who have listened, who have rated us on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. So if you can just continue to to rate and review this podcast and subscribe, because then this way when we start up again for season four, we'll just be right there in your inbox. Yeah. We would very much appreciate it. Five stars are always appreciated. So we just want to say thank you for listening. So this is Sheila. This is Steph. And we want to thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode 10, The World is Purple, Yellowstone Podcast by Pod Clubhouse. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.